Good afternoon, everyone across the United States. Thank you for joining us. My name is Tim Phillips. I'm president of Americans for Prosperity. Uh, boy, what a momentous and, and frankly tough time for our country. We're battling through this pandemic, working to get the economy going again. And when we look at Washington, D.C., unfortunately, we see some policies coming at us that are not good. They're not good for freedom. They're not good for the prosperity of, of individual Americans and businesses and our country at, in whole. Uh, and at Americans for Prosperity, we're working, frankly, to oppose them. And uh, we like to pass good things, but sometimes uh, there's a need to stop really bad things from happening. And that's where we are right now when we look, unfortunately, at some of the actions of the Biden administration and of Schumer and Pelosi working in a extreme, really partisan way. Uh, we have a very special guest today that we're thrilled to have with us at Americans for Prosperity. Uh, to introduce him is our great state director in Iowa, Drew Klein. Drew, take it away. Hey, thanks, Tim. And thank you, uh, Senator Grassley, for, for taking some time to be with us this afternoon. Uh, we certainly appreciate your service uh, in, in you know, pretty trying times in Washington and, and specifically uh, taking the opportunity today to, to talk with us a little bit about uh, the PRO Act, uh, which is, uh, is still moving in Washington. Um, you know, I, I guess I'll just open it up and, and let you kind of share your thoughts. I, I know you've, uh, you've already shared some of those thoughts in writing and, and shared those with your constituents in Iowa, uh, but this is an issue that doesn't just affect Iowans, it affects uh, you know, employees, workers across the country. Uh, what in your mind is, are the most troubling aspects of the PRO Act? Well, I'll be glad to answer that, but I think I, when I'm meeting with your people, whether it's in person or uh, on Zoom now, I should say it's great to be with your members. Uh, they are the backbone of a lot of things that go on and uh, fighting things going on in Washington, D.C., I'm going to wait until that quits buzzing. <laughs> okay. That's, that means the Senate is uh, ready to go to work. <laughs> uh, and you, your people are going to say, what about three o'clock in Washington, D.C.? They're just going to work. I got to, <laughs> I got to the office at six o'clock this morning. And I'm sure after a long jog. <laughs> Well, at four o'clock, yes, but I, I don't want to say long if it was only two miles and it was only two miles. Anyway, uh, I want to say thank you to the Americans for Prosperity members, because not only are you the backbone of the fight for reasonable government, but also a lot of you come to my open town meetings. Now, for a year because of the pandemic, I've had kind of closed town meetings because I go where I'm invited because I don't think I can tell you, Drew, that you got to stay six feet away from somebody else, or I don't think I can tell you, you got to wear a mask. But uh, we do see people like, I was in 24 counties last week, and I uh, had meetings that went from 15 people all the way up to 150 people at a high school or 80 people in Emmitsburg where they closed down the, the factory, or I mean shut down the assembly line and they gathered around me for a Q&A. So that's what I do. And if I, this was an open town meeting, 
uh, your members would be there and I wanna say thank you. Now let's get back to the PRO Act. First of all, if I can give you a little bit of background so people know that when I'm talking about a union, I know what I'm talking about. And most of my discussion of unions are generally uh, pretty good uh, remarks because I was a union member from 1961 to 71 when the legislature only met every other year and I was only farming 80 acres and I couldn't make a living on 80 acres or $3,000 every other year being a state legislator. I supplemented that income putting screw holes and furnace registers for Waterloo Register and Cedar, Cedar Falls. It closed down in 1971. So then I was just farming and then soon I was elected to Congress. So anyway, I was a member of the machinists and uh, I was not necessarily an active member, but I paid my dues. And one time I even held a position of being safety uh, chairman, chairman of the safety committee as an example. So I don't badmouth unions. I think they've done a lot of good, but this is something that's very much contrary to the constitution, the PRO Act. And maybe I only wanna dwell on one thing that I think is very unconstitutional. And that is the freedom of association, which gives you a right to join a union. Freedom of association means if you wanna be free to non-associate yourself, you ought to do it. So this bill not only does, with, does away with Iowa's right to work law, but 27 states have right to work laws. And those 27 states have done it because they think you ought to be able to go to a job. And if you want to join the union, join the union. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. And if you don't join the union, you don't have to pay the dues. So when, when you do away with that section of the 1947 Taft-Hartley law that gives states the right to have right to work laws, you simply do away with all 27 state laws. And then you have what you call a union shop. If you want a job where they got a union, you join the union or you don't have a job. And I think it turns the land of the free into the land of the fee. You have to pay dues. And uh, I think that's very wrong. Senator, you mentioned the, the unconstitutionality of the PRO Act. And, and there's you know, some, some pretty recent Supreme Court precedent in the Janus decision. How would the PRO Act impact Janus as it relates to forced unionization of, of public sector workers as well? Well, I don't know whether that was based on a constitutional decision or based upon law. If it's based upon law, it might do away with the Janus decision. But if it's based on the Constitution, then I think it would be... Uh, it would make the repeal of right to work laws ineffective from this standpoint. I think you would pay your union dues, but you'd have to ask to get them back, as I recall the California case. If I'm wrong on that, you can fill me in. But I think that that, that would be it. Now, here's the practical effect of that. You'd say, well, what's wrong with it? If you don't want to pay dues to the union, you don't pay your dues, but you can get them back. But in a lot of state laws or the practices of the union, maybe you got one month out of the year, you can do that and you forget to do it and then you pay dues for another 12 months. A lot of states or their unions have put a lot of impediments in to actually getting your money back. 
I can tell you, Senator, my, when I was a young man, my mom worked the four to midnight shift at a wire plant, put food on the table for our family. It was in South Carolina where we grew up and it was non-unionized and there, there were some uh, efforts to, to unionize. And my mom would always tell me, you know, I, I've got the right to choose, you know, whether to join a union, even if we get it, but also in the election, I'll have the secret ballot. You know, she would talk about that and, and that would protect her, you know, privacy. But are there, there are aspects of this pro-legislation, as I understand it, that start peeling away privacy for, for folks? I know there, isn't it right that unions will be able to get their personal cell phone and email information to be able to, to push, you know, for unionization and the secret ballot, it, are there, con, there are privacy concerns as well? Am I, am I right in saying that? Yeah, you're right in saying that. And it brings into something that unions, some unions are good at, and it's intimidation of people. And you get intimidation if where you live in your phone number, and uh, that has to be given by the employer to the union. It's a violation of privacy. And then the secret ballot, you're going to have somebody standing over your shoulder when you vote. I was fortunate enough. Uh, let's see, I said the plant closed down in 60, 71, approximately 68 or 69. We had a union because our management wanted to change unions. And I had a secret ballot. I wanted to keep the machinists. <clears throat> that was kind of a bad mistake because we didn't change unions. And two years later, the plant was gone. But that's one of the decisions that I made in a secret ballot, as an example. So uh, you, a secret ballot on a union election ought to be as sacred or more so than when you vote in a general election. Because if, you, if it's violated in a general election, your secrecy, it doesn't cost you your job. But if you, if you voted wrong, in an election, and somebody knew how you voted, it might do one of two things. Your employer fire you if you voted for the union, or if you voted against the union and you still have a job, you might be intimidated as a result of it. Senator, uh, the PRO Act doesn't just impact, uh, you know, manual laborers working in factories across the country. I mean, there are tens of millions of independent contractors and and an estimate of 59 million people just last year alone did some amount of, of freelancing during the pandemic as well. How would the PRO Act impact folks like that, these independent contractors and, and people with a side hustle? They would be forced to unionize. I think that question though was asked, answered in a very appropriate way in a state that you wouldn't expect it to be answered in because California legislatures put Uber drivers and Lyft drivers uh, in, in a certain position of, uh, of getting certain benefits that only unions would normally get people. And uh, Uber drivers didn't want it. There was a referendum that uh, that, that uh, the referendum retracted the law that was adopted by the California legislature. And then can you imagine another instance, uh, the second thing you mentioned, that, uh, that let's say McDonald's, you own several McDonald's stores 
and but you turn them over to managers and all of a sudden instead of having if you got 10 stores instead of having 10 different businesses technically you only have one business and uh, and so they can go after the one owner to manage all of them whereas the, that person that has french franchise this out except under the contract doesn't have much control over what that owner does of that franchise and so that's another bad thing in this bill ladies and gentlemen watching you're on with senator grassley from iowa we're discussing the pro act that's what we've been discussing and if we're urging you to make your voice heard there's a link uh here on the facebook page that you can click on it's that i volunteer link just click on that it'll take about 45 seconds to a minute you can actually send a personal communication to both of your united states senators to let them know that you would urge them to vote no on the pro act and, and i know you may be thinking well gosh my senator is going to vote the right way like senator grassley or or maybe i'm in a state where my senator is going to vote the wrong way so my voice doesn't really matter it does. You know, many years ago, I worked on Capitol Hill as a chief of staff, and I know back then, every member kept a track on a daily basis of the number of people contacting them from their state or district on issues. And, and it matters when you make your voice heard. So take a moment. I would urge you to do that. Uh, this PRO Act will wipe out the right to work laws at the state level, as Senator Grassley just pointed out. It'll really harm the freedom of individual Americans, both union and non-union. This is a big moment. Uh, and, and Senator, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, this talk of ending the filibuster. Uh, right now, there are 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats. It looks like the vast majority of the Republicans will oppose this PRO Act, perhaps all of them, but certainly the vast majority. There will not be 60 votes to break a filibuster. But there's been talk among some elements, some of the senators, about ending that filibuster. Can you give us a sense of what that would mean for the country and also for the United States Senate? Yeah. Before I address that, one other thing on the PRO Act, and that is as liberal as California legislature is in passing some of this bad legislation that I've already talked about, some of it overruled by referendum. Uh, they had certain exemptions for some categories of workers. The federal law that the House passed doesn't even have those exemptions. So you can imagine, as bad as we consider liberal California is, how much more liberal this, H, this bill is that the House of Representatives passed, and hopefully we stop in the Senate. And stopping it in the Senate would be dependent on maintaining the 60-volt margin. And I think that maybe over the weekend, or maybe it was just over the last week, that Senator Manchin has published a more firm statement of his not wanting to even modify the filibuster that nails down, because it's in writing now, and very recently given, and the way it's somewhat satisfying to us Republicans is, we were wondering, uh, he was going to be stand out so much against the one and nine tenths COVID relief bill. Uh, and he, we still ended up being a one and nine tenths billion dollar, trillion dollar COVID bill. 
that we were questioning about that. But I think his statement over the weekend doesn't leave much leeway for him to do anything different than just to leave it the way it is. With his taking that position, I think it firms up Cinema's position so they don't have more than 48 votes to do it. Now, it's important that they not have more than 48 votes because if you did away with a filibuster, the Senate wouldn't be any different from the House of Representatives. And if you read the Federalist Papers written by James Madison, the author of our Constitution, he said the Senate's supposed to be a deliberative body. It would no longer be a deliberative body. And, uh, and for those constituents listening, even some of yours that say there's too much partisanship in Washington, we ought to get rid of it. Maybe they, somebody say you do away with the filibuster and you wouldn't have that partisanship. You'd have more. Because in the House of Representatives, a Democrat majority or a Republican majority can ignore the minority because as long as they stick together, they can get anything done they want. You want that to be in the House of Representatives? I don't think so. Uh, and remember that we're in a position where we need to do, uh, to promote more bipartisanship and more compromise because with a 60 vote margin and 50-50 division, or even like two years ago, 53 Republicans, 47 Democrats, uh, you need people of the other party and not just a few just to get to 60, you gotta get well beyond 60 or you aren't gonna have an agreement and get the 60 votes in the first place. So that forces compromise and bipartisanship. So anybody that's complaining about too much partisanship in Washington is going to get more of it if we don't have the 60-vote requirement. Senator, uh, Tim opened the conversation talking about kind of the, the myriad of threats that exist. Um, and, and I think some of these are, are relative to the filibuster as well, because, of course, there are procedural routes around the filibuster and so we're already starting to hear things about tucking aspects of the PRO Act, if not all of the PRO Act, into other spending legislation. Uh, you know, potentially uh, Biden's quote unquote uh, transportation bill, which is, uh, or, or infrastructure bill, which is uh, almost anything but infrastructure. What, what, what does that look like in the US Senate right now? Yeah. Well, unless it deals with spending, and I don't see anything in the pro bill that deals with spending or taxes, and as long as it doesn't, then I don't see how they can use reconciliation if they don't use reconciliation. And remember, it's been used once now, and the previous time it was used was 2017, so it's not something that's just willy-nilly used, although I guess they got permission to loosen it up a little bit by the parliamentarian last week. But even that, you loosen it up, it hasn't changed the rules that's got to be connected with spending. And I don't see anything in the PRO Act that does that. So I don't see how they could get around the 60 vote rule. I, boy, I, I certainly hope they cannot. That would be just terrible. Ladies and gentlemen watching, I'll mention again, just press that I volunteer link here on this Facebook page. Make your voice heard on the PRO Act, on maintaining the filibuster. It's important for folks, your two United States senators, to hear from you. 
So I would urge you to do that. It literally will take you about a minute to do that. Uh, and, and given the threats and the policy threats we face coming out of Washington, now's the time to make your voice heard. I, I tell you, as I travel the country, I, I'm in Wichita, Kansas today with some of our activists here. Uh, it, it's a moment in time that I believe we'll look back on in years to say 2021, that was a big moment for the country. There were big issues at stake. And I want to make sure you can say, I did my part. I made my voice heard. I reached out to my neighbors. I contacted my senators. Uh, and Senator Grassley, I'll ask you this. I know that a lot of Iowans, you talk to a lot of Iowans with your town halls, but is it true that your fellow members, colleagues, they still do pay attention to the folks back home? Maybe it doesn't change their vote one way or the other, but it gives them a sense of what people are thinking and it does have an impact. I'm sure Deluso's Iowans are listening if they email me. And I always brag about representative government being dialogue between us as elected leaders and our constituents. Then you email me, you should get an answer back. And if you don't get an answer back, you ought to uh, send me a note and say what happened to my uh, email. I haven't heard from you. And, uh, and I can only speak for one senator. There's 99 different ways of doing it by 99 different senators. Uh, but I think that it means more than what most constituents think it means. And that's why I would encourage that they do exactly as you have suggested they do. Go to the website and click on and, and get your note out to us that you oppose the PRO Act. Senator, we've, we've talked a lot about the PRO Act and how bad it is. Um, and, and instead of you know, thinking about this massive power shift, handing lots of power over to union leadership at the expense of individual freedom, what should the Senate be focused on? What, what should we be doing to actually help with economic recovery um, after a, a pretty turbulent year with the, the pandemic? What, what are, what's on top of, of kind of your agenda items there? Okay, one for me would be a bipartisan bill that I have to reduce prescription drugs. Another one would be to follow up on some relatively simple things compared to the uh, criminal justice reform bill that we passed last time but there's a couple of holes that need to be plugged in that. Uh, in other words, uh, to bring more fairness to the system. And then uh, for uh, me, uh, that's a couple of things for me personally. And then for my working with other people, a bipartisan bill on infrastructure, but by a bipartisan bill on infrastructure, I mean only about maybe a, a half a trillion dollars compared to the two and three tenths trillion dollars that the president put out last week, because the other one and seven tenths trillion is an infrastructure. It's stuff that ought to be done in an annual appropriation bill. And uh, then I think I want to uh, get the appropriation bills done on time. I'm not on that committee, but I would abhor our appropriators to get the bill done. I don't want to go back to the ugly days of earmarks that a lot of Republicans and Democrats are talking about doing now. That was done away with in 2010. You remember the bridge to nowhere as an example. Uh, we shouldn't be going back to earmarks, but I'm fearful that we're going to. 
but so far we have a Republican caucus rule not to do it. And until we change that rule, I'm going to keep reminding my people that we talk to the Democrats about not uh, about breaking the rules to change the rules when it comes to the 60 vote margin. We shouldn't be breaking our caucus rules to do something that uh, the rules don't apply to. So those are some of the things to answer your question. It's not everything. Senator Grassley, we sure agree with you on those earmarks. You know, we, we worked, I was with Americans for Prosperity back then, and we fought hard uh, along with a lot of reformers to, to end these earmarks. And I, I'm glad the Republican caucus has, it still has that position. And, and it is, you're so right. It's important to, you know, to get to a regular order budget, but one that does not include these earmarks. So uh, Senator, as we wrap up today, We've talked about a lot of the threats that we're facing as a nation, uh, but I, I know you a little bit now after watching you for a number of years and interacting with you some. I know you're an optimistic person. Um, give us a sense, those watching, of why you're still optimistic about the coming months and years ahead for this country of ours. Well, look at 240 years of our Constitution. We've been through a lot more economic and social strife than we're going through right now. We'll get through it. As long as we maintain the principle in the Constitution of limited government, remember that's to protect you citizens from the government, not to tell the government what they can do to you or not do to you. And government can only do what the Constitution requires. It has set up an economic system, a social system, and a political system that gives each individual the opportunity to choose for himself what he wants to make of himself, his contribution to society, his economic standing, what he wants for a profession. No government telling him what he's got to do or not do along that line. <clears throat> and uh, as long as we maintain the system of freedom, I don't have any doubt but what America is going to still be the great nation it's been uh, at least for the last 150 years. Well said. Senator Grassley from Iowa, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the leadership that you provide in the United States Senate. Uh, Drew Klein, for all you do with Americans for Prosperity in Iowa. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard these threats in front of us and you know what you can do. Click that I volunteer link or pick up that telephone. Talk to your representatives in Congress. Let them hear from you on these big issues of the day and then reach out to your neighbors and folks in your communities. It's a big moment for the country. Let's make sure we meet it. Thank you all very much for joining us today. Thank you.